You're listening to Catalyst for Change, and my name is Jessica Huckabee, your host. I started this podcast to learn what makes people resilient after challenging events and how they've used those series of events as a catalyst for change in their life. You'll hear stories of resiliency and strength, so get ready, sit back, and be prepared to be inspired. Today, my guest is Belle Lockerbie. In her literary debut, Awkward is a New Brave, Belle Lockerbie becomes our bravery bestie through sharing her personal story of overcoming an arsenal of life's adversity wedgies. Belle encourages everyone to be brave enough to be themselves, awkward enough to try the uncomfortable things, and kind enough to become the safe space for others doing the same. Having coached over a thousand humans from all walks of life, Belle lives and breathes change. She knows we can repurpose our past using a shield of humor and a sword of honesty to become lovers and fighters for our own lives. So today we'll talk about loss of family to suicide, cancer, work-life balance, starting a business while parenting young children, thought editing, healing from childhood situations, change your thinking book, conscious thinking, self-care, management of feelings, switching to doing business online. So it's a very dynamic episode and I hope you enjoy it. Well, thank you, Belle, for coming on my show today, Catalyst for Change Stories. I really enjoyed learning a little bit about your backgrounds and experience and things that you went through in your life that that you were able to use as a catalyst. Can you can you go into detail about some of those events? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess if, if you start with childhood, and unfortunately, it's not an uncommon thing. Um, I grew up with a, a father who um, was a highly functioning alcoholic and a mother who suffered from depression. And then you throw in a little bit of childhood abuse, which I think I learned to kind of silence myself for the sake of protecting others, which was not great. It was not healthy. And that was my first definition of really being brave. I thought that um, brave meant protecting other people Mm. and did not realise that I was the cost as I kind of went through this. Um, So my mum in particular her mental health um, would go through peaks and troughs and her depression kicked in quite severely when I was about 11. And she fought different battles along the way until she actually took her life when I was 19. Mm. So that really impacted me. It's a little bit like the universe just comes and and punches you in the chest and and really kind of knocks you off your feet. Um, And the rest of my family didn't cope with that either so I almost moved into um, this protect mode again at a different level in terms of just looking at how am I going to look after my family I didn't I've never kind of wanted to take the approach of um, having events control the rest of my life like I, I think it really taught me the, the value of life. And for a long period of time there, I felt hugely responsible for her passing because I wasn't able to save her. So, um, but this is, this is in 1994. So I, the tools were not available then. So it took a long time for me to kind of heal from that and realize that a 19 year old did not necessarily have the tools that are available now 
to know how to manage those kinds of events. Yeah. Wow. Who are, that is. I've, I've focused. Sorry. <laughs> oh no, that's okay. No, that is that is a huge deal to happen when you're so young. And at 19, I bet you're like most 19 year olds, where you feel like you can conquer the world. That that you have all this power and this, you know, you, you have a knowledge at that time. And you think that, you know, a lot of things, <laughs> which you later find out that you have a lot you to don't. learn. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. And um, so I threw my, I threw myself into work and travel and really um, trying to appreciate the life that I had. But unfortunately um, my dad then passed away of cancer at 29 and that threw me in a big way. So I remember talking to my younger sister and saying, I don't think I can um, go through all the motions again that I did with our mother in terms of, you know, organising everything and, and being the rock for everybody else. I just didn't know if I was going to be able to cope. Yeah. So she picked up that role um, with the loss of our dad and it was different. So it taught me that losses impact you in different way, ways and whether it's one that you are prepared for or not prepared for, like the suicide, they, st they still hit. I may have had a chance to talk to my father and everything before he passed away and resolve any of our own issues, but it still really hits you. Yeah. So then it kind of um, almost increased this level of, you know, wanting to be really grateful for my life and upping my level of self-care. So my, my dad did not necessarily make a lot of healthy decisions. He was very heavy smoker and a very heavy drinker yeah. and he had his own trauma. So that was his way of coping. And it took me quite a while to work out that his pain and the gener and his generation, you know, I talk about I didn't have those tools at 19. He certainly didn't have them when he was 19 and for, you know, for the life that he grew up with. So yeah. that was his way of coping. So there was a huge amount of forgiveness requ required to kind of go, well, he did not, in my eyes, he did not make the effort to, to look after his health and well-being and stick around for his children. But it wasn't actually that. It was just that was his way of coping. It was it was nothing to do with his love for me or his love for his family. That was just how he was. So to add to it, and I have to admit, I'll tell you a little story in a minute about what happens when I go to talk to medical professionals. Um, fast fast track five years, and I have my first daughter. And while I'm still pregnant with her, I. <laughs> I'm trying to be very organized. So I'm working like 40 hours a week in my job or probably more like 60 in corporate and I'm being very organized. So I get my phone out to prepare a text to talk about the arrival of my daughter because at this point she's she's kind of hit her due date and she hasn't turned up. Mm. And I send a text out to my whole message book accidentally while still pregnant <laughs> saying that she's been born. And my older sister rings me and says, how come you hadn't, like, how come, like, you didn't call to say that you were in labour? And I'm like, um, because I'm still pregnant. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And I know. And it was in that conversation that she said, well, I've been holding off on telling you news and I need to talk to you. And she said to me, um, I have cancer. And hers was terminal. So she had metastatic melanoma. 
from a skin cancer that had um, been removed, I think, 15 years before, and it had metastasized and went and attached itself to her liver and her pancreas and her kidneys and it was just too late because her she had focused so much on caring for her family that she didn't necessarily prioritize going and following through with her own checkups okay wow so she passed away when my daughter was four months old mm. and I just remember think like talking to God a little bit and saying I'm I'm done. Like I want to call a truce. So I want to call peace. I don't I don't want to be made really strong anymore. I'm like I'm strong enough. Please, like that's this is it. I'm I'm all good now. Yeah. Um, but that moment there, it like it really rocked me to my core and really made me consider what do like what do I want to do with my life and what do I want to teach my children? Yeah. So it still took me a couple of years, but I eventually left my corporate job, moved from Melbourne in Australia on the East Coast over to Western Australia, um, obviously on the West Coast, (laughs) and decided to start my own business because I wanted to be there for my children. I wanted to work in a way um, that I could balance well-being and not burn out, and I wanted to mostly my it was to fulfill my lifelong goal which will be to see grandchildren yeah Um, so health and well-being became very important and I decided to start up um, a fledgling business which was all about helping other women do the same in terms of leaving their corporate lives once they had had children sorry if you can hear a door creaking um, my lovely husband is just going out (laughs) that's okay sorry sorry about that um it's just life happening around us yeah so I started delivering these programs that would run over eight weeks to help women with setting their goals and time management but a big part of it was actually talking about well-being and really being open in sharing that story about how important it is to make sure that you um, go and do your checkups and you look after your like your own health and you actually that you go and make sure that you talk to people and that you go through your checks and that you look at asking for help as a sign of strength as opposed to sometimes thinking about it as a weakness yeah no and that's so important that is so important what you mentioned because that's one of the reasons well the, it, your sister could have, you know, passed away with still trying to take care of her health, but but they would have caught it earlier, and it may not have had a such a large impact, is what I'm hearing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and so I want to go rewind a little bit and and see how did you overcome things and find forgiveness with your father after your mother's passing, and you felt a little responsible because there was all this going on at home when you were growing up. Yeah. How how did you put those things right? Oh, wow. That, that is such a good question. Um, And I have been asked, how did I find forgiveness before? It, It took time. It really did. And it took for me to sit there and not make the whole situation about myself and to look at, well, hang on for, for him to choose those behaviors they're not, they're not choices that you would 
genuinely make as a fully function whole and healed person so I really had to think about what maybe had he been through in his life Mm -hmm. and how did he come to make the choices that he had yeah and the same for my mum like that was it was a big thing to kind of go she she chose to take her life and for me it brought up all of these issues around abandonment and I had to approach it in the same way to look at what had happened during their lifetimes whether they had spoken about it or not that set them on that path to think that they were the best choices and to recognize that the tools that I had available to me were very different to the tools that they may have had available to them as they grew up, including cultural conditioning around it being acceptable or not acceptable for men or for women to reach out and ask for help when it comes to mental wellness or or dealing with um, their own traumas. Because I think my parents grew up in a generation where they were expected to be quite stoic and not necessarily empathetic but just to be seen as these strong people who could do anything and that's not necessarily the case we're all human beings no just knowing that they're human and and knowing that they have they had different resources they had a different experience than we had right yes yes very much yeah no that's really important to look at it that way and it's so it sounds like you've moved past that and you were able to pick up some tools along the way, both with your mom, your dad and your, well, and your sister's passing really um, to help other people and the work that you're doing now. So can you tell me about some of those tools you've learned? Yeah, sure. So I guess it comes into um, a couple of categories. If I start with your thoughts at the, at the start, um, there's a great book by a lady called Sarah Edelman called Change Your Thinking. And what I take out of that is thought editing. So really being self-aware and self-conscious of whereabouts your mindset is at in terms of um, how you are looking after your self-care. So especially if you feel that you might be heading towards depression, being conscious of those thoughts is a really big thing. And starting to challenge them and, and go through this thought editing process of catching it, first of all, to kind of go, is, you know, is this serving me in a healthy way? Is that first question. And really checking in with it to say, if I put it into perspective with my life, whereabouts is it sitting? Is it, is it supporting me? Or am I moving into like a comparison trap? Or am I starting to have certain beliefs about the world, whether I'm feeling responsible for everything or the world is responsible for everything? And how do I start to tweak that thought? And then the last part in that process is to around choosing whether you're going to change it and empowering yourself with that choice to say, I can choose to keep thinking this way or potentially I could choose to look at things differently. And if that's the case, what are some other ways I can look at my situation or my circumstance that might be a little bit healthier for me and for the people around me? Wonderful. Sounds like a really interesting book. I'm going to have to check that out. Change your thinking. Okay. Yeah. It's it's really interesting. So that's probably the first one that I tend to talk to people about is to be really conscious of your thoughts and, and how you start to edit them. The next part would be those, you know, there's some um, basic self-care practices that tend to be missed, which is going and following through with your checkups with your healthcare professional 
to see whereabouts your body is at. And then there's the things that we can easily put into practice daily if possible when when we're allowed which is around looking after exercise and understanding the connections between gut and brain health and hormones and how they can impact us as well and starting to look at your knowledge in those spaces so knowing that um, having enough sleep is a really big factor in terms of whether your mental health is going to be impacted that's one thing that I find healthcare professionals will always ask about is what your sleep is like mm-hmm. So looking at all of those little, I guess, micro wins that can have like a, a macro impact on our well-being. Yeah, no, that's well getting, Yeah, so getting out and getting sunlight, walk like walking, even if it's just walking in nature. So exercising in a way that suits our own physiology, because not not everyone's going to be able to go out and run a marathon. It's just it's just not who we are. But finding those pieces of joy that are for you that can help you with your own well-being I think is really important and carving out time for that so it becomes a priority amongst family and work and community and social commitments so that you get to find that thing that's going to lift you up when you need that lifting up really. No, those are all really important so tools as far as changing like editing your thoughts and making sure you're on top of those checkups, because those are so important. Seeing the doctor, your primary care physician once a year, getting a checkup, yeah, advocating for yourself and your health and well-being, and really paying attention. You mentioned to your gut, your brain, your physical being, your hormones, and sleep. Sleep is so important. I think many people don't get enough sleep, and that affects every aspect of your health. Yeah. And then just making sure you know, you carve out that time to take that walk. Maybe it's only an hour walk that you do a day, but just taking that time for you away from, you know, responsibilities, carving that time out. It's really important. And I think, um, so I, (laughs) I am a mum of four children. I have three sons. Um, One is my biological son, two are my bonus sons. So there's a lot of testosterone surging <laughs> <laughs> yeah. around the house. They're still they're still all young. I think one of the things that they're teaching me though, in terms of how how we look after ourselves from an emotional perspective, is you have the right to feel feelings. It's just around what you do with them and how you manage them that becomes really important. So I see like the boys get quite fiery and they're quite physical. Um, and sometimes they cannot say nice things to each other. That's like, you guys, you are allowed to feel angry. It would be great if that anger came out in these kinds of ways, as opposed to like throwing punches at each other. So I think being working out how you manage your emotions is really important so that they don't tend to manage you is probably that other tool that I would have learned as I go through this because you need to be um or I find not you don't need to do anything it's always your choice yeah but I find that being comfortable to sit with with feeling sad is important and recognizing when you are slipping towards an unhealthy level of sadness so that you can you can manage it in the right way. It's probably the other tool, I think, which is really important. 
Yeah, no, that's really important is I like what you said about the young boys, like, you know, kind of steering them towards, hey, it's okay to be angry, but you can express it in this way. And this is productive. And this is creative or, you know, this gets that energy and that anger out without hurting someone else. (laughs) So so as they're younger, you can like train them in that way. And they, and they can use that later on. That's so good. I love hearing that. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's a lot of energy from boys. And it, it, it is a lot, a, a lot. It's like living with um, three tornadoes and a cool breeze who would be my daughter. Oh <laughs> so. my goodness. <laughs> well, it sounds like a lot of fun though, too. <laughs> it, is, it is a huge, it is a huge amount of fun. Yeah. It's, it's a huge amount of fun. So yeah, so they're, they are great. Um, yeah. You know, what do you find most challenging about the work that you're doing right now? Well, aside from, you know, pandemics throwing a twist in things, it's more just really thinking about how can I manage the the family dynamics. And, and this is a big thing, I think. So my background is in change. That's That's kind of my specialty. And it's recognising that like anything in life, sometimes we think that we've got it all sorted and it's all going smoothly and then you get thrown a curveball or, you know, pandemic happens. Um, So being able to adapt, I think, is really important in business and looking at what you can do as opposed to what you cannot do and being okay with letting things go, I think, is really important. So once again, that forgiveness can come into play with forgiving yourself that things didn't quite work out how you wanted them to. So whether it's around looking at financial forgiveness that you might need to move through so that you can start to grow your business or that you can take on another opportunity or you can do a different, like work a different way, I think is really important through that challenge. So a lot of my work, like I love nothing more than being in a room with people and facilitating workshops. It's great. That has not been the case for most of last year. Even though we have lots of freedom where I live, it, it was just too unpredictable. So moving work to online is great. And then I think allowing yourself to test out different things and work out what is going to work in this new normal and what is not going to work and being okay with that. It's really important. The outcomes may still be the same in terms of how I want to support people and how I want to help people pivot passions into products and teach them how to do that in in the online space. But the process is just different and it's okay for our processes to be different. Yeah. Yeah. So you're learning a whole new realm of um, how to do business, basically. Instead of being in front of people, you're you're doing things online. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Um, I had done things online before, so it's a, a space I'm familiar yeah. with, but just the scale is completely different now. Okay. So, okay. Whereas it, it may have been like 30% online, now it's like 80, pretty much 80% to 90% online, and which, when, is, which yeah. is fine. Yeah. And when you're coaching and you're helping people, it's nice to see that body language. So that's a hurdle that you have to get through with, with zoom meetings and very true. It sounds like you're doing wonderful things to help people make amazing changes in their lives and be in the right mindset and live, making sure that they can live healthy and also passionately with their, what they want to do as far as making an income. That's wonderful things. Now, is there any success stories that you can tell us about 
Oh, yes. So there's quite a few. So there are women who would come through my programs who have been through domestic abuse or, you know, they, they go through their own kinds of traumas and I will still, I just have this habit. So I've been doing this work for about seven years. I still keep in touch with people just to see where they're at. So it's wonderful when I get messages from someone to say, my products are now being stocked in a store or I've started doing this, which is great. And it all comes down to success their ways. But if I think about specific people, um, there is this wonderful, amazing lady. Her name is Claire. She's a food blogger. Um, Her food blogger is called Sprinkles and Sprouts. And she had been through a lot. So she had been through cancer. Like me, she had lost her mother. Um, She was a science teacher in the United Kingdom, so in England. And she moved to Australia. And then in bushfires that happened here a few years ago, she completely lost her house. So she'd lost lost everything pretty much. And anyway, she came along to one of my programs and she was talking to me. So it comes down to process again around how was she going to make everything work with her food blog and what could she do? And anyway, I talked through a few small changes around the needs to not make 10 chicken dishes in one day that she could she could do things differently in terms of the content that she was getting out. And she was consistent with her blog and her blog now makes multiple six figures and she does it in a way that she is there for her sons who are still in like I think early high school years and also at primary school. She has the school holidays to herself. She's doing something that she loves. She is in a relationship where she feels worthy and appreciated and her own self-worth has improved. And that was one thing that she had written to me. She goes, I know it sounds really corny, but you restored my self-belief. And that's that was so important to me. And sometimes we just need, if we can't do it for ourselves, we just need someone to believe in us. It's, it's so powerful. I love her story. And her food is also amazing, which is wonderful. But those stories are um, like, they happen a lot. There's another mum whose name is Alicia. Sadly, she lost her father last year, but she had been through a bit of like postnatal depression and had trouble falling pregnant. And she started her business out of that called Laced with Kindness. And it's just one of the most beautiful little spots on the internet which is full of heart and and joy and she started her little business and it was only fledgling and now she's she generates in excess of like ten thousand dollars in sales a month and she's also working in a way that works for her and her family so her husband works away on oil rigs and is home every so often the pandemic definitely put a spin on things for her because the amount of isolation that they were expected to do when they were going to and from work was quite large. So to sit beside her and watch as she was going through the loss of someone she loved the same as I had and support her in her business was a a huge, don't know if honour is quite the right word, but I definitely feel very humbled to be there for her as she went through that and to continue to be there for her because when you go through trauma and grief it's it's not like you managed to 
tick the box and go, okay, I'm, I'm all good now. It, it goes in waves and it will come up and surprise us again. So yeah. um, I'll, I'll sit there as she as she's like, I'm watching her throw herself into her work and be good with everything. And I know that there'll be certain days that pop along where she might want to have a chat about things, but her work is amazing as well. So it's wonderful to see these success stories. And I, it's something that is accessible to us all it's giving ourselves that permission to believe in ourselves and that we are worthy of, of that. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like just being there, being with people and letting them see themselves in a different light through your eyes is really helpful um, at times with the folks that you've helped. And those are some great success stories. Wow. That is, that is really neat. So they're doing what they love to do. They're there for their family. They're living healthy lives and, you know, overcoming those struggles as well as they come yeah. along. Well, wonderful. You sound like a really, really amazing person. And oh, I hope, yeah, I hope my you. listeners can reach out and um, learn more about what you're doing. Now we covered a lot of ground here. Is there anything that you think we may not have mentioned? So just I think in terms of, I know you had talked about paying it forward, which I feel is really important as well. So I guess how I look to do that in my work is to make sure that I always have time available for someone who may not necessarily have funds for courses or programs and to catch up with them and to, to share that business expertise or to share that path that I've been on to help them realise that you don't need to have the best of everything to start your business. You just need to have some basics and to really talk to them around, you know, what do you want to do and what's what's the legacy that you want to leave behind in your work and what you're doing. That will always be important to me to do, like when people reach out and they need some help and it's there's nothing worse I don't feel and I've sat in this space than feeling like you're confused. Yeah. So if you can have someone just help to simplify those processes and say, look, this is what you have to offer is amazing. Have you thought about offering it in this way and approaching these people? It can just be a big game changer. So I'll always make space for that. I think it's incredibly important. Yeah, no, really well put. And, and that sounds like a really valuable, valuable thing to have too. So, well, thank you so much, Belle. I really enjoyed speaking with you today about your life, about how you're paying it forward. It's just been a real pleasure. Thank you, Jess. It's been a pleasure to be on your podcast. You've been listening to Catalyst for Change, and my name is Jessica Huckabay, your host. Join us next week for another story of resiliency. And please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And feel free to leave me a comment or email me at catalystforchange20 at gmail.com. Or on Facebook, we have a page at Catalyst for Change Resiliency.